Hey, this is Jimmy Smith. On today's Unlocking the Cage podcast, you'll hear our reactions to TJ Dillashaw's interview with Brett Akimoto. Can TJ's return really be considered a comeback story? And Logan Paul versus Anderson Silva will go over all the rumors. The return of TJ Dillashaw, one of the most biggest, one of the biggest, most pressure-filled returns ever in UFC history. Why? Jimmy, haven't other fighters come back from doping allegations? Yes. Have they come back from dope, not just allegations, from being busted doping? Yes. Why is this so pressure-filled? I'm going to, let me learn you something, right? You know, I'm a history guy. I enjoy teaching you guys some history. Here is the deal, all right? There were grumblings, and I remember them very, very well. KOB, I'm curious if you do too. There were grumblings about TJ Dillashaw way before he got busted, way before Cody Garbrandt came out and said he was doping, because his physique did change dramatically. Now, he was with Bang Ludwig. He had changed his regimen a little bit, blah, 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 blah. But do you remember at least the grumblings that thing he was suddenly performing at a level he didn't perform before. Now, there are many ways to do that. But at that stage in his career, that was a little, whoa, that's that's weird. Do you remember those grumblings? Am I lying, KOB? Uh, there were some grumblings. I feel but, like it did kind of come to a head with the allegation from Cody Garbrandt and the presser. So there was a build, was there not? He didn't suddenly get popped out of nowhere, and we all went, whoa? This was a, an accusation that the rumors had dogged him for a while. Is that fair to say, Kobe? This wasn't a, like out of the blue, oh, my God, suddenly he got popped. First there was, wow, his physique suddenly changed. Then Cody Garbrandt said he's a doper. That was big. And then he got caught doping. So this built a bit, yeah? So you you were more in the weeds at that time than I was. Yes, so you might was. you might know better than I was. Uh, in my head, I didn't remember a ton of it like really being thrown out there. It was more like a, huh. Amongst you fighters, know. there was. Uh, yeah, okay. I was in the weeds. Fighters are going, Meh. you know what I mean? Like, nobody was going, like, for sure, 100%. Oh, my God, what a doper. Other fighters were going, hmm, like, all right. Because they know. They've seen teammates suddenly do that. And they know why. Because they're in the locker room shooting up. So, a lot of fighters were grumbling about that, KB. Like, when he, when he's, remember, his, he suddenly got shredded. He got a little bigger. He was suddenly a lot quicker. His punches had a lot more snap. And there was, amongst fighters, certain fighters and certain trainers, a little wink-wink, nudge-nudge, wonder what's going on here, right? Now, once again, no smoking gun. Then, obviously, uh, Cody Garbrandt with his accusations, let's just say what they were, about him doping, about him showing, him showing or encouraging alpha male teammates to dope, and then he gets caught doping. So I want to I want to lay down the history a little bit. To, this is why the pressure is so high. Is this was not an out of the blue one time thing. Oh my god, this was an accusation that had been around for a long time. And it, when it became confirmed, not Kelly, but everybody else, not everybody, but a lot of people who had supported T.J. Dillashaw felt stabbed in the back. Is that fair? KOB. A lot of people were like, I supported it. I said, no, he didn't. I, you know, team, team snake in the grass suddenly looked like fools. And I know some people that were like, dude, I supported TJ. And then it came out. He did that. F him. Right. So there's more bitterness. Is that fair or not? I would say that's fair. Jim yeah. Smith. Yeah. Okay. So I, that's the table setting right now. 
for this interview, TJ Dillashaw sat down with Brett Akimoto. This is via uh, ESPN MMA, right? About coming back, about the suspension, about the pressure. And this is him talking about extra pressure uh, on himself and why it's not there. Let's hear it. I know the truth and I don't really care, you know, um, so I'm not going to add that pressure to myself, which I already have. I mean, even before any of the bullshit, I still had pressure on myself. You know, I always, I, I mean, having that scared pressure is what makes you the best, right? Like I have that pressure going into every practice. I have that pressure going into every round. I don't want to lose a la- round. I don't want to lose a scramble. I don't want to lose a sprint. And all is be driven from that scared pressure I put on myself, right? But as long as you can hone that scared pressure in the right way, some people will get scared and, and freeze up and not perform. You know, I'll, I'll get scared and, and turn turn into an animal and see red and, and go for the finish. Um, so it's all about controlling it. And you want to be scared. You know, you want to have pressure. That's just about knowing how to deal with it. All makes sense, yeah? All of that is standard fighter stuff. You have these emotions. It's about how you use it, right? It's about how you use it. And his ability to use it maybe set him apart, maybe sets him apart from a lot of guys, right? That all makes sense. But him saying, I know the truth. I know what I did or didn't do. And that's it. I'm not relying on the dope, all this stuff, okay? That is essentially what he is saying, right? So... Uh, this is about the fan reaction to him coming back. I'm very curious about what he has to say about this. Here it is. Something that I've learned throughout my years of uh, fighting in my career, no matter what, you're going to be the villain, right? I mean, especially <clears throat> my, my narrative when I've uh, been going against Team Alpha Male and all the bullshit and I'm failing drug tests. So, of course, I'm going to have I'm gonna have it, you know, but um, that's just the reality of being in the limelight, you know, it's the reality of, I mean, look at, you know, everyone hated Conor McGregor until he became the man. Everyone loved him, and everyone wants to hate on him. You know, um, it's 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 just the name of the game. It, it sucks. You know, you hate to see the tide swing just because you're you're riding the high or you're riding the low, and that's what the fans are going to do, no matter what it is. You know, I'm going to go out there, win this fight, and everyone's going to fucking forget about what happened. It's stupid. Uh okay. So there are two levels to this. Number one, yeah, the fans are going to react how they react. But also, there's no sense of, like, he does kind of deserve it. You know, he, 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 he did get caught. He did do something wrong. He did cheat. And he got caught. So the idea of fans are going to hate no matter what, yes. They also hate you for what you did. All right? People want to hate on Connor. Connor did a lot of stuff to be hated. He did. This isn't, they don't randomly roll dice and hate you. Okay, certain fighters get more hate than they should. Some fighters don't get as much hate as they should, whatever it is. But the idea that it's not your own personal responsibility and a result of your own decisions, that I disagree with. Okay, it isn't, they're not randomly choosing to hate you, TJ. Like, you did some things that were bad, right? That's why. So there is that, right? But yes, they, they, he understands the reactions, but not quite saying it's because of the things I did, all right? So, uh, this is about his suspension, and uh, we'll talk about this, but the way he's been upfront about it since day one, here it is. I've been upfront for, since day one. As soon as it was announced, I've been upfront about it because putting it behind me. And I, I'm not only putting it behind me so I don't have to answer it anymore, but also putting it behind me because it's like, it's like therapy, you know? 
you go to a therapist and talk about what's bothering you, you talk about what's weighing you down so you don't have those problems weighing you down anymore. And it's something that I've gotten past. You know, it's not weighing me down anymore because I've been so open about it. So, you know, you could say, you could say I was open about it and that was the right thing to do, but I think it was the best thing to do for myself. True. True. He has been upfront about it from day one. That is true. Okay. And I do give him some credit for that. Um, the issue is, you know, you didn't volunteer that you had doped. You got caught. And then you were upfront about it. So, yes, you were upfront about it. You were also busted. You had no choice. You were busted about something that's injectable and you couldn't run from it. So I give, I do give him credit for at least going, hey, yeah, I did it. I got caught. I'm sorry. I do because I hate all the stupid excuses we hear all the time. I hate the BS. I, I hate all of it. So him not doing that, I certainly respect. But once again, he didn't volunteer the information. He got caught. So you got to weigh those two things out, right? So this is how he talks about the substantial time off that may be a big factor in this fight. Hit it. I've said it multiple times now that it was kind of a blessing to have those two years off and figure out what I'm going to do after fighting rather than having to figure it out when I'm done. You know, I, I now know that I'll be okay, and, and fighting is not what I have to do for the rest of my life to pay my bills. So um, it was nice to get myself set up. And um, the last two years, like I said, I, I didn't miss. I didn't miss any of the tension. I didn't miss any of the jitters. It was nice to be a civilian. It was nice to live a normal life for a little bit, you know, um, as normal as it can be, I guess. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I don't know if it's true, but he's certainly saying it the right way, right? He's saying the right things about it, right? He's saying the right things about it, whether it's true or not. Everything he said in this interview was the right thing to say about the subject itself. I don't know what's in his head. I don't know what's in his heart. I don't know what he actually did, right? I don't know if this, he just got caught, but he was doing this forever. I, I don't know. I have no idea. But all his responses were the right thing, right? It's the right thing at the right time. It was a PR piece. He knows that. I'm not slandering him. He knows it was a PR piece. It's supposed to be a PR piece. This is Lindsay Rhodes, and I'm so excited for my podcast, The NFL Roadshow, to be joining the SiriusXM sports family. We'll be talking about the most compelling topics and to some of the most interesting people in and around the NFL. Taking a look at things through my somewhat nerdy football lens. I like to push past the low-hanging fruit to get to the real stories that are going to make you feel like a smarter football fan. So please join me every Wednesday for The NFL Roadshow, available on the SXM app and wherever you get your podcasts. This is kind of interesting to me. And the reason I want points of view other than Kelly's, I do want Kelly's point of view, but um, the interesting thing about this, have you kept up with, Kel, like the docu-series, not docu-series, but the documentary about T.J. Dillashaw's comeback and this kind of inspirational take on it a little bit, the UFC's kind of pushing. Have you been, been keeping up on that? I haven't watched it, but I did see the promo for it pretty much in every single commercial of the fight night last weekend. Right, so... The way they're marketing it and what they're putting behind it, I've never seen for anyone else who got suspended for a doping scandal. I've never seen, like, because it just flies in the face of, of usually a comeback story in order to be inspirational has to have something to do with 
the fighter coming back and the reason they were out was something that wasn't their fault. A car accident, an injury, a long layoff for family. Misha Tate, for example, had a baby and all this stuff. So the idea that this is somehow an inspirational story I thought was a weird strategy for the UFC considering they've never done that with anyone else. They've hyped up the comeback of John Jones. It was more like, hey, check out John Jones versus DC, right? The champ's been off. There's a new champ. How will this work out? Blah, 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 blah. There's, there's all that. But it wasn't a heroic John Jones piece, right? It wasn't seen as the triumphant return of John Jones who took time off fighting because of his own stupid mistakes and his own inability to stay out of trouble. So the UFC hasn't done this before. So I thought it was kind of a weird ploy, not ploy, whatever, strategy, by the UFC to kind of, you know, usually you don't, I mean, you you can't ignore the fact that he was popped for doping because everybody knows it. You can't run away from it in a sense. But you don't want to make a huge deal about it, and you certainly can't, you know, sell it to the fans as something that is a positive, right? It just seems weird to me. Is that fair? Is my confusion fair? <sighs> so weird. I don't know if it's necessarily fair. I mean, how many times did we call Tyson's comeback a comeback story? I mean, you can. UFC you never did that. Boxing is full of terrible people fighting for world titles. I could name a dozen <laughs> off the top of my head, but it also wasn't right. But I was not there. All right. Do you remember who he fought after the earbiting incident with Evander Holyfield? It wasn't Botha, was it? Francois Botha, right? And it it was it was it was the circuses in town. Tyson's back, but it wasn't. Wow, I've, I've, they're getting behind the scenes, and wow, he's really developed. And it, he bit off a dude's ear. Don't sell me that this is some guy, like he's out because of some kind of effing personal tragedy. That was not, and once again, I was a boxing fan at the time. I saw that fight, etc. That was not the lead up. Was oh my, you know, digging deep in the comeback trail, and man, getting back in it because my love for the game. No, you bit off a dude's ear, couldn't fight for a year. So that's the issue to me is the way it's being handled. The Francois Botha fight was not marketed as some kind of heroic comeback for Mike Tyson. It was Tyson's back. The spectacle is back. The cash cow is back. Right? The unpredictable, never know what's going to happen with Mike Tyson. They played that up like crazy. It wasn't like in any way sort of a comeback story in the traditional sense. And this T.J. Dillashaw thing is, as a Dillashaw fan, Kelly Kill, I know you love him, ride or die, whatever. I don't think anything has to do with his fighting ability. But, um, you know, what do you think of that that strategy? What do you think of that? It's it's it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. No, it it is bizarre. But I mean, at least I I like I said, I haven't seen the actual piece yeah. that the UFC has put together. But off the top of the promo, they are saying like. He's like sinking into an ice bath and he's like, when my manager called and said, you know, the UFC just called me, like my heart sank, like off the top, they're saying why he's been away from right. sport for two years. Like they're not trying to hide it, which is, I don't know. You would think, like you said, they would just be hyping up the fight with Corey Sanhagen more or less. Like it's a essentially a number one contender fight. Like 
TJ Dillashaw is coming back regardless of the reason, but the fact that they are making it about the suspension is a little bit bizarre. All right, so that's the issue to me is I saw the same promos you saw. I haven't seen the whole thing yet. I've seen part of it. That idea that, oh, my manager called and my heart sank. Yeah, you cheated. I don't, it, it wasn't. I don't feel bad. I don't feel, oh my, oh my God, it's the most difficult thing. You did it. I, I don't feel bad for you. At all, not even a little. I don't I'm not getting on a moral get high horse. I don't feel bad for him, though. I don't but think that's like the point of it. When you see a guy sinking into bathwater going, when, when they call me, my, man, my, man, my manager called me, my heart sank. Yes, you are. That's a sympathy moment, and I don't feel that at all. At all. Zero. I don't think you have to feel sympathy, but like to a degree, it's kind of an interesting and you could call it a comeback story, even though it was self-inflicted. How many times have these guys popped and we hear one ridiculous excuse after another? That was the whole joke that we had about the whole Medina Spirit thing of like the crazy excuses we've heard for a positive PED. He did it, owned up to it, relinquished his belt, had to say serve a two-year suspension, and could have come back and maybe fought someone outside of the top ten as a tune-up fight just to come back. But he's jumping right back into the deep end. And looking for, you know, the toughest prospect or the toughest contender that there is. And we have it in the Corey Sanhagen. So it is a bit of a comeback story. I think it's still, I think that word still applies. You cannot like the fact that, like, it's a comeback story because he tested positive. But it's still a comeback story. Here's yeah, the, in issue the most literal me. terms it is. Oh, oh, it's like, well, literally it is. But here's it the It is, though. All right, all right. Here, here's the thing to me. I believe personally, because I know you can't wait to hear how I personally feel. I think once he has served his time, which he did, he has the right to resume his career and come back and get another opportunity. I really believe that. How long was he doping? I don't know. How many fights did it affect? I don't know. We only know about one. And we have to go off what we know. I think if you commit a crime or if you cheat the way he did, once you serve your time, that's it. Can't ask anything more of somebody. You rob a bank, you get six years, you serve six years. You can't ask anything more than that of someone. All right? So I believe TJ Dillashaw should have the right to come back, just like any athlete or any other person or other human being who does something wrong and pays their their dues, whatever those might be. They have a right to move on with their lives. I believe that. It's not that it isn't a comeback story. It's that it doesn't follow those inspirational, sympathetic lines that a lot of comeback stories have. So I'm surprised the UFC is treating it in the way they are treating it. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to come back. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is I was a little surprised the way the UFC is telling the story, specifically because they haven't told that story about other people when this similar thing has happened over and over and over. I don't remember a sympathetic John Jones documentary. Don't remember that. Okay? Even though you could have made one for all the same reasons you just said, KOB. Could have made one about John Jones. Could have made one about Anderson Silva. Could have made one about anybody else who got popped and came back. And there's a small encyclopedia full of those kind of fighters. So that's what I'm curious about. Right? That's what I'm curious about when I think about it is it seems strange to me that the UFC is dealing with it the way they are. So... I understand why they'd want him back. I understand why he'd be a main event. I understand why they would make a big deal about it. I understand all of these things. I just understand why he's getting the 
documentary treatment that a lot of fighters who have come back in his position simply haven't gotten. That's what I'm wondering about. Why does he get the documentary treatment when other fighters have not? That's interesting to me. Sirius XM presents an exclusive podcast. Comic-Con begins. Comics, science fiction, monster movies, Star Trek, fantasy, Star Wars. Learn how a group of high school comic book fans, children were going to the back of a dirty bookstore, started what became the biggest annual pop culture event in the world. Geeks are running Hollywood now. Comic-Con changed my life. Comic-Con begins, a six-part series. All episodes available now on the SXM app. Download today, free for most subscribers. At least once a week. We are talking about a Paul brother, and we're talking about a fight they may or may not have, right? Seems like that's just a constant thing. We have to deal with it. It is what it is, okay? But this is one that I must say, I don't hate it. I don't. I don't. I don't. And this is just a rumor right now. I'm looking at bloodyelbow.com. Is Logan Paul boxing Anderson Silva next? Leaked message, message suggests... Huge event set for sep- uh, I believe it's September 19th. That's right. Um, let's see about this message here. Uh, Logan Paul's next boxing match could be against UFC legend Anderson Silva. Bellator prospect Dylan Dennis revealed in a leak- leaked Instagram message on Tuesday. Dennis posted a screenshot of a direct message he received from 5th Degree uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt uh, Victor Doria, who claimed Paul will fight Silva at a huge event in Dubai, September 19th. Um, Before I even get into this, uh, how much would you appreciate this being outed if you sent Dylan Dennis a message? Not thrilled, yeah? Don't send Dylan <laughs> Dennis sure. anything. I'm sure that dude's a little bit pissed off right now. Wow, he might, I would be furious, personally. Wow, that is, that's, that's a little crazy. Right for people who don't or aren't up on things, Anderson Silva uh, did beat Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., my most disliked boxer of all time. I can't stand him. I was really happy to see Anderson Silva beat him, but beat a former world champion. Now, not a great world champion. I'll say all the caveats in the world because I can't stand Julio Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Can't stand him at all. But uh, I, I I will give. Anderson Silva with the credit of beating a former world champion fairly decisively in his own sport. Wasn't bad. So a good performance, to say the least. And if he took on Logan Paul, he's retired, but he still has decent hands. Uh, I, I'm not against that fight, and it would make him, I, I, I do believe it would be big. It would be absolutely huge. To have him fight in Abu Dhabi, I would love to see Anderson Silva get that payday. And there's a good chance Anderson Silva, the MMA guy, knocks his ass out. Good chance. Very good chance. Am I wrong with any of those statements, KOB? Great payday. Would be a big event. Love to see Anderson Silva get paid. And from what I saw last time, Anderson Silva might wreck his ass. Yeah? Yeah, but there's a part of me that wonders, like, is how big of a payday will actually be? Because I kind of it was a big story that Anderson Silva had beaten Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. But I feel like the fight itself kind of fell on the radar. I don't know what kind of numbers they did, 
And Logan Paul, I mean, it was not a great performance against Floyd Mayweather. Some people will say it was, but I mean, he held. They're wrong. They're wrong. I, I, yeah. I kind of, I kind of wonder what the interest is. More than all right. Let's put it this way. More than his last four or five UFC fights, he gets paid more than that for for. He clears at least a million. I really do. I really think he clears at least a million dollars, or else he wouldn't do it. I don't think they can get him necessarily for less than that to fight Logan Paul. You know, you got to pay me, man. Show me the money, and I'll do it. And I believe that's kind of the issue right now. Is you show me the money, and I'll take. You know, I'll do this fight. If you don't, I won't. Because Anderson Silva has a name of his own, and I think you know. It, also, they're setting this up in Dubai. It has to be a lot of money behind it. They have to be able to generate the capital in order to pay Anderson Silva at least a million dollars, at least. So I, I I think it's good all around. Yeah, of course he had a terrible performance against Floyd Mayweather, but you know the checks steer the checks still cashed. And I do believe there is going to be enough interest in the fight to you know. To, to 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 get everybody paid enough. And until this runs out, which it hasn't yet, we're not at the the the, the everyone's getting off the ship level. We're not there yet. We're just not. So I believe this whole stupid, you know, Jake Paul, Logan Paul thing, I think it works for another year or so. I really do. So while we're in the middle of that, why not have a guy in in Anderson Silva who uh, you know, can get paid and do something. I, I'm all for it. And once again, I don't think this is necessarily a great fight. I only like to watch the best take on the best. Anything other than that is is not particularly important to me. But I'm glad he's doing it. I'm not, I won't necessarily watch it. Does that make sense, Gabby? It doesn't, uh, I don't think. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, if you're glad he's doing it, why wouldn't you watch it? All right. Um, let me put it this way. If one of your friends got paid a million dollars to shovel pig shit are you happy for him do you want to go watch no I, I, like I'm, I guess, I'm glad but... he's getting paid but i like i still don't think like i don't like these kind of fights period i don't care what they're getting paid i don't care i don't like these kind of fights i just don't so will i watch no because i don't think it'll be that entertaining but i'm glad innocent silva might make him you know a million dollars to get in the ring again you can hold to those two you know, concepts in your head at the same time. I just, I hope Anderson Silva gets paid, but I'm not really interested in freak show fights. Never have been. Never have been. And this is a pretty good freak show fight, and I still wouldn't be that interested. It's just me. So you'd watch it. I mean, yeah, I guess. Again, I was not too impressed with Logan Paul's fight at all. Mayweather. At all, yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know how I, I guess I'm generally indifferent to this one. I'm I'm, a, I'm slightly over these things, but like Jake Paul's hateable, so that's why it's fun to watch. Like, right. hopefully someone can can you know knock his head off. Logan Paul to me isn't really like I I was I wasn't a big YouTube guy like watching the stuff he did, so I have no idea some of the some of the things he did that people got mad at him for. I'm aware of the the Japanese incident, but beyond that, my knowledge of him has only been him trying to like get into fight sports, and for the most part, he seems like. A person who had a gimmick, like almost like a jackass type of thing, of like, yeah, I had this YouTube channel, so I was trying to, you know, be outlandish and do crazy things to keep upping the subscribers. So on some level, I get that, but like he seems when I've seen him interviewed, especially 
going into this Mayweather fight, a lot more likable than his brother is. So right. I, I don't really I, I don't really go into his fights with any malice. Like I don't really need to see his head get nice. He's, he's a big dude. And without uh, that, what's the point? Right? Yeah. And like Anderson Silva's Anderson Silva. So I guess it's it's interesting to a degree, but I mean I would rather keep seeing Anderson Silva, you know, box some other boxers. I'm curious to see how, how well he could do rather than just smoke Logan Paul. Right. So so when do you think this all runs out? You're kind of, once again, what you just said, I'm kind of over it now, but I'd watch this fight. When do you think the viewing public or the boxing public or the YouTube public, whatever the hell you want to call it, when do you think they're like, all right, I'm out of here, had enough, I'm gone? He's going to have to get beat up bad. I think it's going to be the same for Jake Paul. Like, I think Luke talked about this the last time. Like, this thing will work until, like, it gets really bad, I think was the overall point. So, like... Yeah, Mayweather, Logan Paul wasn't a great one by any stretch. Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley could bring it right back again. You know, like it's going to ebb and flow depending on the performances. If there's too many in a row of like crappy performances or, you know, fights are super boring. They're just snoozers. I think that'll kill it off. But let's say Logan, I mean, Jake Paul knocks out Tyron Woodley. I think it continues for a while. If Tyron Woodley beats Jake Paul and then... Anderson Silva puts it on Logan Paul. I think we start to see this die out a little bit, but I mean the celebrity boxing thing has always been there. I just think it starts to die out if the performances get bad. Yeah, I mean I I think that the, to me they're already bad. Like it's it, to me they're already but I like really high level shit. Like it's this is not you know what I mean? Just amateurs doing it and I don't mean amateurs like good amateurs. I mean these type of amateurs does it hold any appeal for me? Well, yeah, to the degree I'm talking about, I mean if Ben Askren had knocked out Jake Paul. I don't think we're talking about Jake Paul anymore. It's just not a thing. Yes, yeah. But because he knocked out Ben Askren and did it in the first round, he's he's still out there. Like, he's still, his name's out there. It's kind of a big deal. People are jumping, and because of the money involved, people are jumping at, like, chomping at the bit to get to this guy and, and get a fight with him. So if the same thing happens to Tyron Woodley, if he gets knocked out round one, or just, I think, knocked out generally, Jake Paul stays in the news news cycle. He's still out there. People are going to still be trying to book fights with him. Dylan Danis may end up being one of them, which is why I think he outed this <laughs> this freaking Logan Paul thing. I think just for spite. Um, so just gonna yeah, it's just gonna ebb and flow. So like, if he keeps it a story, if, if Jake Paul can continue to win, he keeps it a story out there. He stays in the news cycle. He's still a factor in combat sports. Then maybe it flows into this Logan Paul Anderson Silva thing. If it's another crap, you know, kind of a boring fight. People might be done with Logan, I think, at that point, but Jake Paul's still out there, so it just falls on someone to just beat the brakes off of Jake Paul, I think, to kind of kill this off. Do you think one brother just getting destroyed is the end of the road? Or do you think it's it's both of them have to get destroyed equally at some point? I, I feel like the Logan... I guess we'll, we'll see, depending on what the numbers are for this Silva fight. I do feel like the Logan-Paul one is kind of tapering off, because I think it, it's kind of what I'm saying. He's far less hateable. He's not as obnoxious anymore. Like, I think he's kind of putting the YouTube thing behind him a little bit and kind of trying to do this boxing thing. So he's a little bit, like, less obnoxious. Uh, just, I think he's trying to push that whole thing of, like, yeah, I'm trying to be a real, like, where his brother's going the complete opposite and trying to be obnoxious and trying to just piss off MMA fighters and Dana White and stuff like that. Like, Logan even admitted Dana, Dana White called him to make sure he was in, you know, billionaire's row for the last... Uh, for UFC 264. So apparently, like, even Dana's warm to Logan a little bit more than he has Jake. And it's because I think he's just 
you know, an easier pill to swallow if we're going to do this stuff. But I don't think that draws attention as much as it did for the, for the Mayweather. You had Mayweather, the comeback of Mayweather, which I think is bigger than Anderson Silva boxing him. Jake Paul, I think, is the one people want to see get smashed. And once he does, I think it tapers off. But as long as he keeps winning, he's still out there. I don't I mean, the interesting, the interesting fight right now for this whole dynamic, I think, is Tyron Woodley. I think that's the interesting for this whole like MMA fighter versus Paul brother. I think that dynamic is 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 very strong. I think there's a lot of interest in it when it comes to Tyron Woodley, Jake Paul for all the reasons you're saying. Anderson Silva seems more like a a boxing match and maybe Anderson Silva wins, maybe he loses, but it seems more like it's just a straight boxing match and I would like to see – is it positive or negative, right? The emotions aren't there as much. But I think technically, tactically, it might be a better fighter. It might look better. It might be more interesting in that regard. It might be technically, tactically more interesting than Tyron Woodley versus Jake Paul. But that might not sell as well. And that's the ebb and flow of these freak show fights that I can't understand. Right? It's like we almost want – it seems like fans have more interest in Tyron Woodley than Jake Paul than they would between Anderson Silva and Logan Paul. Is that a fair statement? I think so. Yeah. I was just going to say, I'm like, Anderson Silva, Jake Paul? I think that one sells easily. Right. But Tyron Woodley, not as much. Ty- no, I still think this one's going to actually do pretty well. I think that one's actually going to do pretty well. I just don't know. Like I said, I'm like, the whole point of these celebrity things is we want to see, uh, at least for the MMA community side. And I think, I, I don't know what the boxing community feels like. I think we want to see Jake Paul get smashed. I know the MMA side is just waiting for this guy to just get crushed finally. So he'll stop talking a bit. Um, like I said, Logan I, Logan Paul doesn't really seem to piss off the MMA community as much. I think he's just a little bit more a little bit more standable. So that's why I don't know how that works for celebrity boxing. I think if you don't have a, a rooting interest to want to see someone just get absolutely crushed, what's the point in tuning in? Okay. It, I don't know, man. It's It just... As he said, it's more tactical, but not as popular. And I'm just trying to put my finger on the pulse of why these fights keep drawing and why they're important. Yes, they generate a lot of money. That's the side that I see. And when I say I'm glad Innocent Silva got this, I mean it. Or I'm not saying he's got it, but I'm glad that, you know, that he's in because I want to see guys get paid in their twilight years. And this seems like right now the MMA retirement plan is take on a Paul brother. Right, it seems like that's the MMA way to get things done, and there's nothing. So I'm glad he got the golden handshake in a sense, right? But it doesn't mean I like these fights. Glad to get paid, but I'm I'm sorry it has to go this way. I guess that's it. Unlocking the cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the Sirius XM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Andy King is director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM's senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation program director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts.